Storytelling Vendors, a sound designer's podcast. Here are your hosts, Timothy and Renee. Hello and welcome to Tone Benders. I'm your host today, I'll Timothy Meerhead. We have a couple of great guests for you today. We've convened a round table to discuss the tricky art of recording ADR. The purpose of this episode is to do a deep dive into the tricks of the trade when it comes to this mysterious art. It can be a very intimidating part of the audio post chain, and we are going to talk our way through it with two guys who have done it more times than just about anyone else, Patrick Christensen and Chris Navarro. Normally, this is the part of the show where I list off some of the guests' past credits, but that's kind of ridiculous in this sense, since the two have basically worked on everything that's come out in a theater or on television in the last decade or so. I will post their IMDb pages onto ToneBendersPodcast.com if you don't believe me. Patrick garnered his credits as the main ADR mixer for Sound Lounge in New York City, and Chris is currently working with the Formosa Group in L.A. Welcome, Chris and Patrick. First, Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty cool. Uh, thanks for having me today. No problem. Patrick, how are you doing? I can't complain. It's Sunday evening and uh, it's all is well and quiet. Excellent. Thank you to both of you for coming in on a Sunday evening to uh, do this podcast with us. So first, let's just get to know you guys a little bit. Chris, do you want to give me a one or two minute history of your career? Uh, one or two minute history of my career. <laughs> um, all right. I guess uh, it was like so many people's uh it just uh, it it was kind of an accident um started out doing music uh went to berkeley college of music in boston transferred down here to usc uh down here in la and um was going after music actually and uh but i realized i had student loans to pay off so i ended up getting into post-production heard it was a good gig and then uh, had access to a studio ended up really enjoying it and um it was really interesting got to work with you know and big names, people, you know, famous people and, you know, small town me being all impressed by, you know, the famous people. I was like, oh, this is awesome. And, you know, who can complain? I mean, I love playing video games on the computer when I was a kid. And uh, so this didn't really seem like work at all. It was like, I'm here working on Pro Tools and, uh, you know, working in an air conditioned studio. It's a good paying gig. Uh, what's not to like? I mean, you got toasted bagels in the morning. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, so, you know, just started really... Uh, Enjoying it and seeing how I can make things better. You know, little opportunities show up here and there. Try to, you know, take as many as I could get. And uh, things seem to work out well. People seem to like uh, the way I ran sessions. And, you know, I coming from music, you know, I'd always have an ear to, uh, you know, hear the subtleties, uh, figuring out, you know, what helps make it a great performance. You know, what's the difference between a great performance, you know, good ADR recording and what's not. Um, and so, I don't know, it just... I just happen to do well, um, and I've just, I guess, probably been at the right place at the right time a couple times, and um, I don't know, just uh, had a lot of fun with it. <laughs> so, you know, just one little thing leads to another, and, and you know, ended up uh, getting into movies and liked it so much I just uh, stayed here. So, yeah. Uh, so how'd you end up at the Formosa Group? I uh, ended up with the Formosa Group. Okay, uh, one of the guys here at Formosa Group um, worked at the same studio that I used to work at before, um, at, which shut down back in 2009. And uh, before Formosa Group, this stage, this mixing facility was known as Audiohead. Um, and so once the old studio shut down, which also occupied these facilities, um, I was out of work, uh, looking around, you know, freelancing. And uh, Ricky, Ricky Delena, who I worked with, um, previously, uh, he was working on putting together a deal to get these stages back up and running, you know, just real, you know, skeleton crew, just real simple, but just, you know, getting, getting these facilities back up and running. Uh, and it used to be, uh, Warner Hollywood here. Now it's called the lot here in uh, West Hollywood. But, uh, anyways, uh, so he was, you know, working on get this, get this place back up and running. And, uh, I was looking for work and, you know, just so happy, you know, we kept in contact and you needed a mixer here for the stage. And uh, so I came on board and it was, you know, it was, it was lean pickings at first. It was, you know, just, you know, a session every once in a while. Uh, but I stuck with it. I knew it was, it had, you know, one of the best locations in town right here in the middle of West Hollywood. And, um, and I knew it was just a matter of time before, you know, things had to pick up because it was, it was an excellent facility, a uh, really historic place, um, great sound, excellent sounding ADR stage. And I just knew it was like, you know, I could go somewhere else, but I knew it was just a matter of time. And if this thing was actually going to take off, uh, and I wanted to be here. I wanted, I wanted to be at the stage. 
and so you know so happens that uh, within the course of a couple of years um yeah this place took off i uh, ended up turning into formosa group i uh, had a lot of uh you know a-list uh sound supervisors here in town i uh, decided to regroup after you know some things shaking up around the uh, the film and TV post sound you know, post production sound uh, part of the business, and uh, ended up being really fortunate to have stuck it out uh, as much as I did when I did, and you know I got to, and I basically came along with the room when uh, <laughs> when everybody else showed up and it's a package deal, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great. I mean, you know, because I know there are some other uh, good ADR mixers in town that uh, would have probably have loved to uh, have come into this room too. But, uh, you know, they gave me a shot and, um, you know, I was already here and they enjoyed my work. So, you know, I got to stick around with, with the, uh, with these big name guys. So it was excellent. Yeah, that's great. So Patrick, what about your story? How'd you get into this? Exactly what he just said. Okay, let's move on. So we can can move on from there. Um, (laughs) Yes. I I think as anybody starts out, uh, you start out in other formats of, of recording and I always thought I was going to be a big uh, mixing engineer for music um, as it turns out you need to pay rent in the city as uh, you know Chris found out it was it was very similar you're just you know you have to pay that rent anyway um, got in a post-production um, through um, Full Sail which I graduated from um, they sent me up to Howard Schwartz recording um, as uh, there was a bunch of Full Sail grads there and uh, kind of cut my teeth on some earlier recording gigs, but I didn't really start doing a lot of um, ADR till I started working at Sound Lounge, and that was another thing that I wasn't really expecting to happen. Um, I was getting into the commercial side of business and really ramping up to to have a, a commercial mixing room, and then they started a film and television division, and they needed an ADR mixer. So I came up in conversation and I took the reins of that and kind of uh, learned the job all over again because we don't need D88 machines and, you know, DAT machines rolling and, you know, 500, you know, mag reels around. So we wanted a bare minimum kind of room, have it be beautiful as the other mix stages are and just, uh, you know, be competitive hardware wise and have enough space for everybody and to do group uh, recordings. And, um, Kind of the same way. One gig turns into two. You know the right people. People like working with you. And I find this happens a lot with ADR engineers, is that you have to be extremely good at your job technically, and then people really have to like you, (laughs) as it is with anything else. And that's when you get that repeat business. And as as Chris was saying, how he kind of built his business up and, and started going, I felt like we're very similar that way. And Chris, I just have to say, the last time we worked with each other was Barbershop 3. So okay. <laughs> we, we can plug that. That's been out for a while. But uh, I, I think we did oh, a couple boy. sessions for that uh, for for Ann Gray, who I would have to give a shout out to and uh, and the cats over there. Cool. So now that we got to know you guys a little bit, let's get into the, the meat of the matter here. So someone phones you guys up. They've got 60 lines of ADR they want to cut. What's the first thing you do? Chris, let's go with you. and first thing i do um well probably number one uh setting the vibe um it's uh you know this whole business of adr can be so uh technical um you have you know all this equipment this technology you know and it's always new and you know evolving and uh it's easy to get lost in that it's easy to you know get lost in your big fancy Pro Tools setup and your big icon boards or whatever you're working on. And, you know, really, you know, some people can get kind of nitpicky about mics and, you know, is it in the perfect position and and all that. But, you know, after all the uh, technical stuff is tended to, um, I don't know, I've found that it's more than anything having, okay, number one thing, the big picture is Everybody wants to get the best performance. Um, oh, is that my phone? Oh, it's me... okay. <laughs> um, I'm on the ADR stage and I got the noisy phone. <laughs> you know you're supposed to turn that off once oh, you're right. on the stage. Yes, yeah, right? You <laughs> do the same thing. No, so, okay. Um, pretty much what everybody wants is the great performance. Because you could have the mics in the perfect position. You might, you know, the best mic preamps and blah, 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 blah the best everything. And then... Uh, you know, 
if your performance is lame, uh, it's it's going to fall flat. It's going to suck. Uh, and, you know, even if it's perfectly in sync and all that, it's just going to kill the scene. So really, you know, everything you're, the big picture you're going for is a good performance, number one. Um, to get there, first, uh, it's all about setting the vibe. You know, I guess at this point I've done it enough and know my room and the whole setup well enough to where there's really, really, really very little uh, that I'll stress about. Honestly, I can't remember the last time I was stressed about anything in here. Um, it's just a smooth thing. If I'm running a little bit late, okay, you know, I'll, I'll hustle, but it's not like worried and nervous and stressed or whatever. Um, you know, I have a little bit of music, you know, welcome people when they come in. Just, you know, if it's it sticks out like a sore thumb if, you know, when you get a, you know, a, a director, producer, ADR supervisor, whoever that comes in and, you know, it might be their first gig on an ADR stage and, and they're a little nervous, they're, you know, they're unsure of themselves, uh, maybe a little insecure, a little doubtful, a little, you know, you can, you can feel the tension, you can spot it out and it's like, okay, number one thing, like, you know, see who's nervous or who's uptight, especially if they're, you know, charged with, you know, leading the session, guiding the session, like a, an ADR supervisor or a director and just, you know, relax them, you know, get chit chat a little bit. I mean, I'm not, I'm really not one for chit chat. I, I'm, I don't make idle conversation easily, but, uh, but you know, like, you know, you can, you can kind of help talk these people through the whole thing if they're not really familiar. Um, and same thing with the actors, you know, the actors might be a little tense and uptight and, and, uh, you know, they, they want to seem professional and, and look good, but, you know, it might be their first time. They really don't know what they're doing and that's totally okay. That's everybody goes through that. Um, at some point. And so, you know, the first thing is just having everybody comfortable when they come in, um, laying to rest any doubts or uncertainties. And, you know, just in whichever words or, or non-verbally, just let them know that they're in good hands. And, uh, you know, if they need anything, I'm happy to chime in or help however I can. But then... Uh, just, you know, just basically get everybody relaxed and, and you know, know that, that this is going to happen well. And then, you know, once you get your actor relaxed and ready to go, as well as your ADR supervisor and your director and everybody, you know, your performances are going to be so much better. And, uh, and that's like the number one starting point is just, you know, laying the ground for everybody to do their best work with, you know, with no added pressure from, you know, what's going on in here. Like, like, oh my God, is, is, is the picture going to work or is, are the tracks in sync or, you know, oh geez, you know, these tracks are, you know, sound terrible, but you know, whatever you, you have to work with what you got to work with and, you know, you use with what you got and make the best of it. But uh, yeah, that's first thing is, is getting everybody. And we know, always on the work with a right. lot of uh, pre-color corrected films and and stuff so that's the usually oh, yeah. the first thing that <laughs> yeah. uh, the actor actors are like oh what is this you know you could see all i hope this is in color I'm like no 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 this is this is like a work print so don't worry about it mm -hmm. so that's that's uh, what you're saying i guess the question was uh mm -hmm. you know what's the first thing you do that's that that covers my response <laughs> yeah that's that, that's that's the full session right there yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it, people do i mean uh, all clients are going to come with you with mic specs especially if it's a higher end client or you know hopefully even a medium or lower end uh paying client they're, they're going to know they're going to know what mics are basically being used and you throw that mic up you point it make sure you're at a, a good distance two feet three feet depending on wh where you want but it really is just making sure that that performance is there as long as you got the, a boom and a lavalier on them and 99% of the time it's, it's you know I work a lot with the 416 I work with a lot uh, with uh, the COS 11D the Sankin and those are my main kind of mics and we'll move back and forth between like a KMR 81 or uh, the CMIT 5U which is also a kind of a fun mic to pop up but never be pigeonholed into stuff and I always like to be creative with with how we're going to set the session up or or just try something different okay so you know the guy's drinking make sure you're holding a cup of coffee or something like that we'll see we'll get a couple takes where you're turning your head and 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 yelling back and then we'll get a couple totally clean versions and stuff so let's have some fun with it let's get your performance out and um I think that's that's a lot of it right there because it's just banging out cues you have 60 cues to do obviously you're just bam, bam, you know you're gonna start knocking them out uh, don't look at the clock a lot, just, <laughs> you know, just have, have fun. And, and, uh, you know, as long as the clients are happy, I'm happy. 
So is there any work you do before the clients come in the door? Are you setting up uh, beeps or wipes any ahead of time? Or are you doing that on the fly? Are you loading up picture and converting it ahead of time? Yeah. Or does that all yeah. come in with the clients? And, and it, this, this varies place to place, obviously. I mean, before people step, if they have a 1 p.m. session, you're ready to hit record on, you know, right then. Um, so picture is always going to get loaded. Hopefully they send you some guide tracks, which are going to consist of a dialogue, a sound effect, and a music or something like that. But you just want that split out. So when you're doing playbacks, you can Control. project the best, <laughs> you know, possible look at what this is going to sound like once it's mixed together. Um, and... Yeah, as as long as you get that stuff out of the session and you're ready to ready to go, that that's pretty much the whole the whole jam right there. I I think that was the, that was the question. <laughs> and what about <laughs> do you guys use beeps, wipes? How do you? Oh guys yeah, choose? sorry, beeps, beeps and wipes. Um, I tend to do that on the fly. Obviously, you have your cue sheet there, so you're going to be able to. But I um I use at a prompt, um, which will give you a streamer going across. And I use my own beeps because I find 1K is just irritating. <laughs> so I, I brought that down. I actually use 666 just for fun. <laughs> uh, not no not trying to you know sell the mark of the beast or anything. <laughs> so it's just fun. Uh, I think one other uh, ADR engineer you know told me about that, and I listened to it. I'm like, that's not that bad. That's kind of fun. Um, and it's not as piercing. Um, but I'll, I'll go ahead and just do it one at a time. Cause I'm pretty quick at, at throwing those, those beeps and, and moving the cues. And what that does for me personally, it gives me the flexibility to say, okay, well, we can do these two cues together or, uh, you know, we, we've got to go back. I'll leave them as we go, but going forward, I, I kind of view, and sometimes they don't want to beep or a wife for something. Sometimes they just want to go ahead and, uh, um, listen to it and say it. There's, you know, parroting. Um, so there's a million, there's a few different ways that you can capture that without just using ADR beeps in a streamer, um, um, because everybody works a little, little differently. You know, maybe sometimes somebody will give you three in a row afterwards and you just have to, you know, take the time to futz with it, uh, you know, and throw it in there. And some people are super good. Um, we recently did a show power and we had, you know, 50 cent would always be coming in for that show and he'd listen to it, say it a whole bunch of times and God damn, was he freaking spot on pretty much all those takes. Um, and he would just rattle them off until you said, stop. Okay, cool. Then we'll move, let's move on. All right. So I'd throw something in, make sure it was, was good with the clients who were um, source connecting in and uh, ready to roll. So Chris, what do you do for session prep? Session prep? Um, you know, if the work schedule isn't that busy, if I have a little bit of time, um, I love to come in and preview the project. Uh before the day of, before we roll. You know, it's not essential, but it's amazing what just, it's a, I don't know, it just, it, I don't know if it actually would change anything that I would do on the day, you know, my approach to actually recording ADR. Um, if, I don't think I would do anything differently per se, but it's context, I guess you just know. mentally, like I'm already familiar with the project. Like, you know, I, I know the arc of the story where things are going and, you know, a little bit about the characters, uh, you know, that the actors are, are portraying um, when they come in. It's just being a little more familiar with the project. Um, again, I mean, for prep, you know, when I can, I like to preview the film. Um, but uh, just generally, really, um, I've, you know, got my Pro Tools templates for my session. And I'll spend a few minutes just loading in the media. You know, usually I'll... I'll uh, Somebody will have uploaded, or you know, I'll download from somewhere the the media tracks, the the picture uh, and the and the guide tracks for the Pro Tools session. Um, I'll download those in advance and just load them up into into a template. It's all you know, I've got a it's pretty streamlined. I don't have a recorder, so I'm doing it all myself. But um, and you know, I, you want to spend as little time as possible on the non you know critical stuff. It's just you know, it's just pushing buttons and getting things going. But uh, you know. Apart from the usual, you know, loading in tracks, not really much. Um, so do you want to walk us through your template? Oh, it's a... Okay. <laughs> um, I have a big, clunky, huge... It's like, I don't know, 110 or more tracks wide. Um, and it's because I don't have any sort of actual console. I have a 24 fader D-command. Um you know, the D-Control Junior, you know, the, the one mm -hmm. with only the, the two knobs at the top instead of the four or six or however many the other ones have. Um, it's 24 fader uh, control surface. 
as anybody that ha- may have shot uh, ADR on Pro Tools only could tell you, you know, depending on how many monitors you have going on, it's it's a kind of difficult to run a ADR se- an ADR session all in the box because without a console, um, you know, and fly and faders and all that stuff, I. Basically, I'm running, you know, four or five different mixes at any one time in here. I've got, uh, you know, my control room mix. I got the stage loudspeaker mix. I have the editor's headphone mix, the actor's headphone mix. Uh, you know, somebody on the other end of an ISDN line or Source Connect line or a phone patch or a Skype or all of the above. Mm-hmm. Um, I can have several things going on at any one point. And what everybody's listening to is going to change what, depending on if I'm recording or in playback or rehearsal. Um, or if I want to preview something discreetly just by myself without everybody else hearing it. So you got to be able to switch in modes between a rehearse and a playback and a record um, pretty much at the drop of a hat if you want to be efficient. And managing all those mixes, if you have a console, like, you know, an O2R or a, or a uh, what are the other ones? I forget the names of them. But anyways, you know, consoles with, with actual scene memories, you know, flying faders where you hit a button and, you know, all the faders reset and, you know, that's one thing. But with Pro Tools only, you know, they don't have scene memories, you know, snapshots like that. So I've compensated and uh, with this huge template. It's really big and complicated, but the effect is real quick and easy, you know, switching modes like that. Uh, so the actual what, it, you know, what happens is, you know, I hit one button and everybody's hearing what they want to hear for a rehearsal. Hit another button, everybody's hearing what they want to hear for the record. Hit another button, everybody's hearing what they want for a playback, and, you know, not what they don't want to hear. Um, so that's my Pro Tools template. Um, it's kind of big. Uh, you know, I don't like to share it because it, it's, it's been a work in progress for many, many years. And, I mean, even if I did share it, probably no one would even know how to figure it out because it's so <laughs> only convoluted. Only your yeah, brain. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and I've got it tied in with uh, a little... A little USB uh, button box, you know. It's just it's just buttons, you know. Yeah. But uh, I have them all programmed in using uh, what's the program? Um, quick keys? No, not quick keys. It's a little more involved. Um, Controller Mate. Oh, okay. Controller Mate. It's kind of like uh, yeah. It's it's like quick keys, but oh man, I mean it's it's like. I always think of it as it's like Microsoft Excel, like how you can develop all these formulas mm-hmm. and, you know, put conditions in them and everything. It's like putting a Microsoft Excel to work on USB keys, you know, buttons and stuff. So you can, you know, I've got like 84 keys on this keypad and, and but I've got hundreds of macros programmed in there just so basically I've turned uh, since I don't have a recordist, I've I've made this custom, you know, little USB button box uh, to handle all the usual things a recordist would do that's you know that's my my usb recordist <laughs> basically you know the, all the copying and pasting and trimming and and uh, all that fun stuff it would be great to have a recordist but uh, i'm afraid um people are just deciding to phase them out and and as much as i would disagree with that um the reality is is i want to put out a product as best as i could i used to work as a recordist uh on a two guy adr stage and I was always, you know, so proud of our work there that, you know, I was like, no, if I'm going to do this stuff by myself, I have to figure out a way where I can put out the same product that we did as two people. But how do I do that? Just me by myself. You know, a computer is supposed to, you know, compute and do things for you, not, you know, suck you in and, and drain you. Right. Yeah. So anything that I can possibly find that's repetitive, that's just, you know, the same keystrokes, the same buttons, the same, you know, things that are repetitive. Okay, how can I not do that? What can, how can I make the computer do the work for me? I mean, you know, computers are supposed to help you, right? Not, yeah. you know, burn up more of your time. So, you know, every, every possible little way I can figure out a way to free myself of whatever button pushing, as long as it doesn't take actual critical thinking, you know, assessment, you know, judgment, whatever, if it's just mindless button pushing, let the computer do it, you know, figure out a way. Um, and so that's what I've done with this little, you know, button box. I've just done a bunch of macros. So, you know, you know, moving little regions around on tracks and even just, you know, any any little trick, anything that I would do as a recordist, 
you know, I think, okay, how can I do the same thing, but with as little, you know, attention and as little movement as possible on my part? It's like the whole, what, what is it? I don't know if it's true or not, but there's that internet meme. It's like, you know, Bill Gates says that, uh, you know, he wanted the, the laziest person to do a job because they would find the easiest way to do it yes. or whatever, the most efficient way to do it. And that's, you know, kind of, I, I feel like uh, I represent that fairly well. <laughs> you just successfully labeled yourself a lazy person. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like, I don't want to do more than, you know. <laughs> Someone has to come up with 110 tracks. Though, yeah. So he put his work in. Exactly. So do you start from a template as well, Patrick? Um, yeah, I always have a template that I start from. And um, it's not 110 tracks. That would make me probably cry <laughs> um, and just go underneath my console and hide. Um, but you have to have the same flexibility. And that's what it comes down to is that if you, uh, I mean, a lot of our job is, is routing. As you just said, you have to get different mixes to different people and everybody has to hear something a little bit differently. So um, for instance, what I find most commonly is that the, um, the ADR editor who's sitting usually sits in, in the, uh, the recording environment, um, they'll want to hear the guide track the whole time. Well, if the talent doesn't want to hear the guide track in their headphones, you got to turn it off in theirs and keep it up in the other ones. So um, he's got that worked in his template. For, for me, what I have is um, I've put some of the control at the fingertips with the Furman headphone boxes is that they each have a mix for their beeps, their guide tracks, um, their comp send, which is going to be hearing people from, well, you know, mm -hmm. California or wherever they are. And then you have, um, um, another knob, which will, you know, just feed guide track all the time. So I just say, okay, well, you're going to leave this up all the time. And then if you don't want to hear it, you turn it down and they're like, oh, okay. And after 10 minutes, 15 minutes, um, they're having fun with the box because who doesn't like to turn knobs? Uh, but 99% of the time, it's kind of set and forget for, for, for my sessions, at least, because I have it kind of built into my template. And all you really have is your video track. I'll just you go through it. It's very simple. And the routing part, obviously, every studio is going to do a little bit differently, mm -hmm. so I'm not getting into that. But you have your, your beeps. You have your... Uh, your streamer um, code, I forget what uh, what actually triggers. It's not MIDI, it's some other kind of command that's coming out of the computer, but I use that a prompt for that. Um, you have uh, mic lines in, and, and that allows you to put any kind of you know, compression or EQ if you're going to do that. A lot of people aren't going to ask for any compression or any EQ, maybe just a high pass filter on it. Um, and then you have my record track, select tracks underneath that, and then a big bin full of just dead tracks that I can dump on my ADR. Because typically when I deliver a session, they're going to want their selects up on top, and then all the ADR underneath it, throw a two-pop at the front of it, out the door, and you're, you're, you're good to go. Um, yeah, I find television shows, they tend to be a lot more streamlined and ready to pop and ready to go, go, go with, with ADR than say a, a feature film who will, they'll sit on that, play it back about 40 <laughs> times and then uh, redo the whole thing. Um, but you know, that's, that's the whole template. And you know, every engineer is going to have to get their own, you know, it, it's, it's the inner workings of your brain on a computer mm -hmm. screen. So everybody's going to be very different with that. Um, but the end product always has to be exactly the same. So that's, that's what the templates. Uh, so it sounds like have. both your templates are kind of, the end result of your years of experience and how your brain works, get it out there. Yeah. I mean, there's so always changing. Everyone's you know? probably got a different one basically. Yeah, absolutely. And it's all dependent on, on the room that you're in as well. It's like my, my template probably wouldn't translate hundred percent, but the way I record will, you know, all the internal busing mm -hmm. I can bring with me wherever, you know, God forbid if, uh, you know, <laughs> I lose my job <laughs> because of this podcast. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so do you guys, when you, do you go with the talent using headphones or loudspeakers in the room, or is it up to the talent? How do you guys come up with that? I'll uh, add both. Um, for the rehearsals, uh, you know, always play everything at the loudspeakers. Um, it's uh, it's funny because you know not every studio has a stage loudspeakers. When I mean stage, I mean like the terminology around here. The stage is you know the live room. The you know some people would call it the booth. The giant booth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, here the room. I mean, it's uh, I don't know the dimensions, but it's, um, it's pretty big. It's it's a uh, you know you don't get too many ADR stages these days uh, that are you know this building is from back in the 
twenties or thirties, Charlie Chaplin days. But uh, it's a good sized room, uh, and a lot of you know. ADR stages will be nothing more than a little VO booth. Uh, and there's really no room nor need for a stage loudspeaker because, you know, the headphones are going to be fine. But for in here, um, you know, you don't have, you don't want, you don't have, you know, some so many people in here sometimes that are going to all want to be on headphones. No, it's like you play it on the loudspeaker and everybody can hear it just fine. So I'll play, uh, you know, for the rehearsals and the playbacks, uh, we'll be coming out the, the stage loudspeaker. Um, as well as they'll be in the headphones as well. Just if they want to listen to it on headphones, it's there too. Um, but uh, for the record, obviously, you know, you got to cut everything out of the stage speakers. They'll have the beeps still on the stage speakers, uh, unless, you know, special circumstances, whatever's happening, you know, it's better to take them off. If they want to, you know, do a, some breaths going into the line, well, then of course I'll take the beeps off the stage. But, um, yeah, no, it's it's all out in the room for the rehearsals and the playbacks. But uh, for the re- for the recordings, you know, it's just in the in the phones. Patrick, yeah, um, yeah. As you were saying, you know, explaining the the room slightly off topic, I think. But you know, some people are trying to use booths, and this is my biggest argument: is that you have to have some sort of space for the the sound to exist or to dissipate because it can't sound like a booth. The, the worst thing that you could do to an editor is give them ADR that was recorded in a voiceover booth because they'll know what it sounds like. And then they have to do something to not make it sound. You want a very uncolored signal. You know, it, it needs to be flat. It needs to not consist of uh, an, an environment because that's always going to be matched afterwards. Um, and I will put a caveat in that is if you're trying to work it into the performance and, and as I'm saying, like if, if someone's at a dinner table, I'll call them back, Hey Beth, you know, uh, come to dinner and, and stuff like that. And they're turning around from, from the mic, that might be cool. So let's capture it like that. And we'll, we'll get a clean version of, 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 you know, facing the mic as well. So, and that comes into creativity, having fun with it and, and, and making a game because, you know, a lot of people, they, they're like, Oh, ADR. Oh my God. That would just blow my mind doing that every day. I'm like, <laughs> it's kind of fun and I'm okay with it. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's definitely the black horse of, of, of audio and, yeah, very few people are going. I'm going to be an ADR engineer, but I'm like, damn, I'm so happy to yeah. do it. Yeah, it's it's uh, it can be very intimidating for a lot of people because, you know, most people I think that haven't had a lot of time doing it enough time to be comfortable with it and really you know develop a style and confidence and you know know what they're doing. Uh, it's the chair that they least want to be in uh, it's the hot seat because you have you know talent in the room I mean, basically you have all the personalities in the world uh, that don't always get along together um and if there's any problem you know if you're not totally on top of your business um guess who they you know anybody that's not feeling like they're on top of things yeah you know who can i throw on the under the bus of oh, the geeky audio engineer guy back there yeah sure oh they keep trying <laughs> they haven't got me yet they haven't got me right. yet um so yeah so no it's uh it's it's a difficult thing to get into just because you know just to have i guess the cojones to get into it and stick with it uh when you feel like you know because you're not going to be a master at it when you're starting of course nobody is um and mm-hmm. you know People might give you, you know, the eye and like, like, why are you ruining the session? Oh my God, this is terrible. And you know, who wants to work like that? I mean, who wants to get beat up? But it's kind of one of those things that, uh, you know, there's a real steep learning curve if you want to get into it and, you know, stick with it because human spirit can only take so much, you know, banging on, (laughs) you know, before you say, fine, screw it. I'm out of here. Like, no, I can't handle this. But, uh, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's sink or swim. And, but, you know, if you, if you, you know, have enough self-esteem to know that, you know, Hey, it's, it's not your fault. You know, it just, this is the way it is when you get started, you know, give yourself a chance to get into it. And hopefully, hopefully you won't screw up too bad to where, you know, they just fire you. Right. I mean, you know, as long as you're, you know, somewhat competent and smart enough to, you know, okay, see what you need to do and just really put in the time and recognize that, you know, you got to learn quick um, and how to adapt, uh, then, you know, you very well might make it. So so what is the route to becoming uh, an ADR mixer? Because as you mentioned before, there used to be the recordist yeah. stage and then you kind of worked your way up. That's Now that stage is disappearing. Yeah. So it's kind of you're thrown into the fire right away. Uh, that is a great question. And I 
do not know the answer to that um, because okay. next, yeah, as, <laughs> uh, you know, like I mentioned, yeah, I, I started out as a recordist and I couldn't imagine, I mean, I don't, I, I can't imagine how one would get into this uh, without some sort of experience like that because as a recordist, you know, you're the mixer's right-hand guy. You're basically handling everything, you know, behind the scenes, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, Maybe sometimes even being a crutch and helping, you know, the mixer out, especially like if you have a guest mixer or something like that, and they don't know what's going on on the stage, and you're like, all right, dude, I should be making mixer money here because I'm the one running <laughs> this thing. You just, you know, you've got the face over here in front of the board. But uh, um, yeah, no, it's, it's um, as, a, as a recordist, you're there involved, actively involved in the sessions. You're hearing everything that's going on. You're able to see, uh, you know, the protocol, how how people deal with each other what you say to who and what you don't say to who and just you know you pick up on the subtleties of the politics of hollywood um you know how does one communicate with the actors not that you know some actors are so high and mighty that you you know have to speak to them a special way but just um there is definitely a language difference between you know tech guys you know even is mm -hmm. you know if you're working on a soundboard to you know an actor's world um there are subtle differences in language um and i don't know it just kind of gives you a front row seat to all of that to, to everything that happens on an adr stage and not to mention of course you know ideally hopefully if you got a cool mixer you're working with as a recordist you know they'll kind of i know the mixer i worked with that really you know my mentor eric thompson um, I worked with him for about five years uh, and great mixer. Everybody, you know, we were always working uh, and, you know, people really enjoyed his, his work and his talent. And, uh, and, you know, he would always kind of quiz me now and then he'd be like, you're like, oh, I don't know, Chris, what do you think? Like, uh, this mic or that mic? And, you know, is, is it a little too close, a little too far? Hmm, I don't know. And I remember at first when I first started uh, and I started working with him, I think after like three or four months that I was starting as a recordist and I was like, Dude, I can't hear the difference. Either one, who cares? <laughs> like, I, I could not hear the difference between these two mics. Um, but then, you know, after a while, you you start picking up on the subtleties and you hear the difference, uh, the subtle nuances of, of the different characteristics of the different mics and the distances and axes that that you're playing with the mics. You know, it, if it's a, you know if it's needs to be tighter mic'd or you know give it a, a little more room or even you know if it needs to be straight on axis to get a real nice crisp sound or you know hey maybe if you if you only want to pick up one word or one line in production and match it with the rest of the production and the production's mic'd you know. A little crappily you know it's like you know you at the expense of you know you, you don't want to record your stuff to where it's so terrible but at the same time if you record it nice and clean it's it you know match. yeah it, you're gonna the best mixer is gonna have a hard time making that match so you know you got to kind of dirty it up a little bit to kind of get it in the ballpark of production um and you know with time your ears start hearing that stuff and uh to where you know I'm like, wow, that's that's so weird. Like, you actually do hear the difference between the different mics and the different distances and and the angles that they're that they're you know on the talent. Um, what was the question? Yeah, no, no, it's like you start get all this information there, and oh, I'm just oh, like, yeah, you yeah, with the recorders, yeah. recorders, and uh, yeah. you know, now, okay, that was then, right? And there are still a handful of stages uh, that that have their recorders, and I applaud them. I I I hope that that never dies because whether you know although in the short term you know it's in the interest of the studio to cut down expenses blah 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 we got the technology we don't need you know two guys on the stage but you know well let's see how uh how the craft uh you know sticks around without having a recordist mm -hmm. and you get people you know to no fault of their own have no no mentoring have no mm -hmm. you know direct learning with anybody on the job um, you know, sure, they might be able to record it and, you know, get things in sync and all that, but... Uh, it's going to take longer. It's going to take a heck of a lot longer, I would imagine, to not only, you know, to not only learn the subtleties and, and to recognize the differences, but also, you know, how are you even made aware uh, that, oh yeah, listen to the differences here? I mean, it's like, I don't know. I mean, sure, certainly after a time, you know, I don't know. Well, Patrick, did 
did you start as a recordist or were you thrown well, right in the no, fire? No, uh, I started as a recordist, you know, back in the DAT days. So oh, yeah. I was mm-hmm. keeping diligent notes on, on everything and, and making sure everything was cool. But then I t- kind of took a hiatus for a, a number of years uh, going to the commercial side of things um, and found myself back in ADR where we weren't doing it the same way. And it was kind of... Um, so how do you guys want to do this? Oh, I thought you knew what you want to do. I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> it's, it's been a few years. What, how, how would you like to do this? Um, so um, I have a D command, um, eight faders. I'd like to get another fader pack, obviously, but um, oh, yeah. I've made do. Um, wow, eight, faders. eight faders. But how do you make that happen? The, the most important thing for me is is having sends mutes. Um, and, and I find those are instrumental in, in the way I work and sending um, sending things to over the patches. I do a, a lot of patches with with California and Toronto, over Vancouver now and then, or wherever the studios are. Um, so sending and what I'm sending to that patch is very important. So I have those mutes there. Um, so it, it does suck having eight faders, but I, I make do. I make do. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, I am working on that. That's that's some gear that we want to get, but. Um, what I did want to say about the way of getting people trained, because obviously I want people in my stead to be able to kill it when I'm not there. Um, and I want it to live as a craft. I want it to grow as a craft and I want, um, it to not take five years for somebody, you know, to get the nuances in their head. So, um, I've been throwing my assistance on smaller gigs where it's only maybe five lines or just a few lines. And this is after they've been watching and listening and taking notes properly. And maybe they get to know the clients and stuff. So you do have a recordist? No, no. We have an assistant who kind of helps, um, with okay. the leg so work the and stuff. Yeah, general studio assistant probably. just for the yeah. film and television okay. side of things. So he's, he's on the mix stage as well as helping out with ADR. Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely, it's hard not having a specific person in on, on the stage. And I, I'm with Chris on this and I really think that it's an important job, um, for the exact reasons he was just saying, but in lieu of, you know, this kind of slowly, you know, getting smaller, uh, group of studios that are having it, how do you get that experience? So I've been throwing them on smaller jobs where I'm still sitting in the room um, and we're listening to things. And I always will have them do maybe a faux session before the session, the day before, if we have time, you know, allows. And we'll just kind of go through things and I'll do the same thing. Which mic sounds, which one do you think matches better, the lavalier or the, you know, or the boom? And if I know this person's got a good ear. Well, what boom do you think they used or what kind of lavalier did you think that, you know, cause you're, you will, you know, gain, gain that, you know, more and more as you go on. Um, and then one thing that I haven't done this year, but I had been trying to do is, um, through, um, the union is setting up classes and, um, I've set up a basic class where I can outline thing to get smaller filmmakers, um, and editors, and people who are like, oh, I know I have to deal with ADR somewhere in my workflow. I can teach them what ADR is. And that's one class. And the other class is what I'm working on now is a more in-depth kind of class where you're going to hopefully get a little bit more out of what you need to do. Say technically, you you know, prerequisite, you know how to, do, you know how to record things. Um, you're Pro Tools fluent, so I don't have to babysit you. Um, let's work on the nuances of things. Um, so I'm working on a class for the union through that because there are not a lot of opportunities for people to learn ADR, you know, and do it well and not stick a U87 in front of, you know, <laughs> oh, this is how we do ADR. It's like, no, 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 please. You're going to fuck everybody in the whole process. Um, so. so speaking of mics, you get a, a spec sheet beforehand normally. Do you uh, religiously adhere to that or do you guys go off sometimes based on your experience? If that's what they want. I found that that's what they want. <laughs> So, you know, going off it uh, does isn't going to do any favors. And if they know what they want, then and I can provide it. Yeah, of course, I'll set it right up for you. Chris? Um, you know, I would say probably much more often than not, uh, nobody even has a clue as to what, you know, was used on set. You know, mm-hmm. if they make a series of phone calls, they can, you know, dig it up somewhere. They can find the sound reports. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. their sound guy didn't even make a sound report. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, more often than not, 
you know, I'll usually just kind of throw it out there at the beginning of a session, you know, if the supervisor's hanging out and, I'm, you know, we're waiting for the actors and I'm just, you know, setting up mics or whatever. I usually be like, hey, anybody know what uh, what kind of mics they're using on the set? And they're like, uh, no, you know, I'm sure we they don't were know. on at some point. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, <laughs> and, you know, more often than not, no. So, um, once in a while, I will get spec sheets and they say, you know, we want to have this mic, this mic, blah, blah, blah. And, um, all right, you know, more usually when they do have a spec sheet that lists the mic, you know, I've got the mic on hand and it's cool. Everything's great. Um, and very often, you know, yeah, they, they sound great. Those, those are the mics that, that fit. That's great. Um, but, uh, usually, you know, I don't get a spec sheet and even if I ask, nobody knows. Um, so I, you know, listen to the track. Um, it kind of ties into another question that I get a lot. It's like, Hey Chris, you know, what's, you know, what's, uh, what's your favorite mic? You know, what's, what's the best mic for, for doing ADR? <laughs> I'm like, uh, there isn't one. I mean, for me, yeah. it's, it's, it's all relative. Um, you know, every movie has its own sound and sometimes, you know, depending on who your sound guy is, depending on who your boom guy is and depending on what they have in their rig, you know, what kind of mics they're using, um, it's it has its own sound and you i cannot say like oh yeah i like this mic you know i always start with this mic Mm-mm. no it's because you could for example i uh yeah i got the blue chefs the cmit uh, and that patrick was mentioning um that's a great mic uh also one of my favorites you know the 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 uh, sennheiser mkh series mm-hmm. i got a 40 50 60 couple of 360s um i love those mics but they're not always the right mics um I hardly ever use a 416. I hardly ever use an 81. Um, but when I'm working on a show that's got a 416 or it's using a KMR 81, uh, you know, good luck. If I'm bringing out one of my chefs or, uh, or other mics, um, you know, they don't quite sound like those 416s and they don't sound like an 81. It's, you know, after doing this for a while, and if you're paying attention, you can hear the difference and, it it all depends. It all depends on the picture you're working on. It's all relative. So do you throw up the mic you think is right first, or do you have a couple up and try get the actors to try them out? Uh, I mean, just by default, I'll usually have you know some of my MKH series mics, uh, yeah, you know, fifty and a sixty, maybe the the CMIT, the Blue Sheps. Um, you know, that's just what's more often than not you know I'm working with. But you know, before we start rolling on the session, I'll. You know, I'll listen to the first couple of lines, uh, you know, just to kind of get near. I'll just listen to the dialogue track and and just kind of listen and, and try and pick out, you know, just distinguish what am I hearing. Um, and I'll quiz myself. And it's, you know, it's kind of one of those things that it almost feels a little dangerous to do sometimes because you don't want people to, like, you know, lose, you know, their confidence in you. But, you know, all every once in a while... If I have a picture that comes in and I ask the sound supervisor, I'm like, so what mics are they using on the set there? And they're like, I don't know. And I said, all right, well, kind of sounds like, and I'll, you know, put myself out there and I'll, I'll say, you know, I think it sounds like the Blue Sheps. Is that, uh, if you find the sound reports, uh, my first bet, it's uh, the CMIT. Mm-hmm. And if it's not that, then my second bet with, you know, I'll, I'll yeah. say whatever I'm guessing it is. Then they'll go look back and they'll, you know, they'll get a call back from some assistant. And they'll be like, you know, usually more often than not they'll be like yeah it is it was that mic and i'll be like okay good (laughs) i mean because you know it doesn't it uh there's not that much upside other than you know it's like a you know parlor trick that you know like (laughs) oh yeah i could pick out which mic they're using but you know the downside you're risking a little more downside when they're like no that wasn't the mic that they were using it's like you know then you look like an idiot it was a 58 what are you talking about yeah (laughs) right 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 but uh but you know just kind of quizzing yourself and and sometimes you know i'm not always right but but uh it's it's kind of like you know testing yourself so you know testing your ears but um yeah i'll just take a listen to the track and i'll make my best guess and see how it works you know Oftentimes, sounds great. It's perfect. It, it uh, you know, get the right distance on it. You get when you get the right performance is the biggest difference because if you have the wrong performance, you know, you could have the exact same mic, the exact same mic from set, you know, at the exact distance, at the exact you know angle, and whatever else you want to make exactly the same. But if it's not the same performance, if it's the wrong performance for for the loop, uh, it's not gonna match. It's not gonna. It's gonna. You know, everybody's going to turn around and be like, uh, do you need to change the mic? Like, uh, 
No. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I mean, it's well. That goes uh, into what you're saying. You got to make the the actor feel comfortable first, and yeah. then maybe yeah. they can enter a better headspace. And you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And also giving them, having them feel the permission to, you know, if you screw up, you know, well, okay, try a little something like this, and they might feel like, you know, no, I don't think that's, you know, they might be feeling that's that's not how it works. No, it doesn't sound like that. But you know, it's like what you're hearing on the track sometimes can be deceiving. They might be speaking up loudly with traffic noise and all that, but you know, you're playing the track in here and maybe when they're generating these guide tracks, you know, the level's down pretty low and it's like, well, it's not that loud. Well, we're not hearing it here in the room at high sound pressure levels because, you know, the waveforms are tiny because somebody laid back this guide track and it's, you know, what's on the track is kind of quiet, but you know, it's, the perceived loudness isn't, you know, doesn't always match up with the real, the true loudness. So, you know, getting the actors comfortable um, and sort of having them, you know, feel comfortable to, you know, be wrong, uh, really helps. So that when you, you know, you can make a suggestion, and all right, and you know, you can say, you know, I might be totally wrong, but. Try going a little over the top with it. Like if you're trying to tell the actor, like, okay, speak up. Like you're so flat and in the production you're so lively. Like, dude, just if right now you're a six, you need to go to 11, right? And, you know, you can tell them to speak up all day long and they, you know, push their six up to maybe a six and a half or a seven. And it's like, okay, um, that's not working. But, you know, tell them, go over the top, you know, even if it's wrong, just try, you know, pushing it a little more than what you feel is right. And, you know, if they feel comfortable and know that it's like, dude, if you're wrong, nobody here is going to laugh at you because, yeah. you know, it's, it's, we're all working on I this. actually find it's the, the take after you say that is always the keeper, you know, it's yeah? like, you yeah, know, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. it's like you found, um, you found your boundary, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, like, okay, try going way over the top, like much more than what you, than what you think it is. And then we can, from that point, then we can, you know, work how much, how much further you want to dial it down. And then, you know, then they go way louder than what they think it is. But, you know, what they think it is, is of course, very, you know, easily going to be, you know, not nearly enough. And then when they overdo it, and then, you know, you can bring it down so that it's actually, you know, at the perceived volume, like on the track, then, oh, wow, look at that. Wow. Oh, geez, that like, was that the production? Wait, hey, we wanted to hear the loop, you know, kind of one of those things. And it's like, when I don't know. It's yeah. And, and that's, yeah, exactly. Like you say, that kind of goes back to, you know, setting the vibe at the beginning and just, you know, having everybody feel comfortable with the space. Cool. So I've got two more questions for you and then we'll wrap this up. Uh, first, you kind of mentioned this a second ago, Chris, but do you guys find that the volume level in the actor's headphones affects their performance and how do you uh, adapt to that? Hmm. No? Um... <laughs> <laughs> Take them off. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, you know, they'll uh, sometimes they'll ask for it a little louder. Uh, oftentimes they'll just ask to drop it out entirely. But, you know, I would say of all the different factors that have anything to do with, you know, helping or hindering their performance, um, headphone level is probably the least of it. Um, in my experience, sometimes, like if it's a real loud scene, if they're at a club or, you know, some big party and, and everybody, you know, it's a it's a big, lively scene. Uh, sometimes, yeah, sometimes it helps, you know, to crank up the music in their phones and stuff just to kind of, you know, get them back into that place. But that's, I think, probably more the exception. Um, you know, yeah. it's happened a few times, but generally speaking... Yeah, it's the headphone level is probably the least of it. You agree, Patrick? Well, you do. You do have one-sided headphones on, so I do. What 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 I I find it what helps is is to get them out of here. Um, Level-wise, I, I think that's something different. But yeah, I mean, I always have one-sided headphones on the stage because I don't want them. Especially, I'm not saying this happens with everybody, but especially with with actors who come in who haven't done a lot of ADR. If they have two-sided headphones on, you're just listening to yourself and listening to what's going on in here instead mm -hmm, of just taking mm -hmm, it yeah. off and acting it as a scene as if somebody else yes. was in the room with you. So totally. I, I I do not have two-sided headphones on, on the stage um, unless the, the editor wants some more, the director wants. The director usually doesn't have any headphones on. They're too cool. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're too good. Uh, so, um, sorry, 
um, all the directors I've just pissed off. <laughs> uh, directors won't listen to but, this but podcast. Really, don't it's, worry. And, and I have found in, in small instances where I say, okay, well, we've tried it with the headphones. I don't feel like you're appropriately pro- projecting. And the exercise that Chris was saying, go go to eleven. Maybe we need you at eight or nine, but go to eleven, and and that will work. And and um, I I I learned that myself from uh, Mike Jacoby, who is a very long tenured um, ADR director and uh, scheduler and and uh, and stuff uh, what works in the city here um, I learned a lot from that guy uh, when it comes to directing talent um, and that was one of his tricks but you know it's just sometimes if it's not working you try a few things just just take them off take them off your heel the beeps and, and just try it that way see if see if that works sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but it's all you know if you're in a clinical environment for lack of a better term it's it's dark you have an image of yourself on the screen that you don't want to see so how mentally can you get yourself you know into a space where you're acting with that person and some people can can act through it some people just have to mimic it to get through the ADR Um, but um, I yeah headphone level itself I don't think plays as you said Sometimes to turn off, they don't want to hear themselves as as they go over the loop. Yeah, uh, so, I think you, know. you guys answered it with the one sided headphones is really. The I, I think answer it helps to... a little bit because yeah. you're not here. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes I mean sometimes they want to hear with both. You yeah. know, sometimes yeah, like oh yeah, you got the regular, you know, the stereo headphones. Like yeah, sure we got them. And... Yeah, I'm not the zoom Nazi about that or anything. It's like I want I want to make <laughs> it comfortable. So. <laughs> okay, so you guys have got the actor in, you've recorded all your loops, the actor's gone, everybody's happy. What do you guys do to uh, ship the session out? How do you, uh, you're sending a full Pro Tools session? Um, me with my big old clunky, you know, <laughs> whatever. I mean, yeah, with my huge ass boat of a session, uh, no, I strip out probably like 90% of, and I mean, you know, when I say 110 tracks uh, or more, um, I'm only really actually using you know, a quarter of that usually at any given time. Yeah, they're but, all just uh, ready depending on what it, each exactly. It's needs. multi-purpose. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, yeah, exactly. It's it's for maximum flexibility, and I can always you know strip out. But uh, you know, at the end of the session, basically everything. Like like Patrick's uh, session, you know, how he was saying, you know, he has all the, you know, the tons of tracks at the bottom just to put every take on. So it's all there on the window for the editors to work with. Same thing here. I think that's that's a standard, you know, kind of thing. But uh, and the print, the print tracks up on top. Um, everything else gets dumped out. Uh, I'll usually save a little backup copy of my working session, uh, you know, for a little while, just in case if anybody wants to go back in for anything. Um, but pretty much stripping everything out except for what the editors are going to want to see, which is, you know, all your, you know, takes one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, you know, those tracks and your print track, you know, your selects and your alts, everything else just gets dumped. And then taking that nice cleaned up, you know, visually simple, very straightforward, like everything's obvious, um, taking that session, you know, compressing it into a little zip file or whatever. And uh, we use Aspera, you know, we got a little Aspera server, mm-hmm. And you know, ship it over uh, internet. Yeah, I'm, I'm just... send out a download link, and then whoever gets it, you know, they can download at their leisure. I think I think that's quite ubiquitous. I mean, we have an FTP yeah. site; we don't have the Aspera server, but you know, no editor is going to need any. They're like, why would you send me all this stuff? They don't need any of that. So, yeah, just select those Should tracks. I your disc? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Export, save as new session. Boop, you know, to lay back to D eighty eight. Yeah, please. You know, fantastic. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so, but you are sending every take or just Absolutely. the top yeah, five? Yeah, they, they every get everything, everything that we everything. recorded. Cool. Yep. So thank you very much for taking part in this, guys. This was a great conversation. And the best part is not only are you guys super knowledgeable, you're funny too. You had me laughing the whole time. So I very much appreciate <laughs> you taking the time out on Wait, a Sunday. Can game. I just mention one little thing here? Definitely. Um, one thing I'd always, you know, I have always really wanted to communicate out there. And, you know, I'm guessing... There'll probably be no actors listening to this interested in ADR because, you know, usually actors are not interested in ADR for the most part. There are exceptions. But uh, if there are any actors that happen to be listening to this, um, seriously, if you're not sure or if you don't know or whatever, um, ask questions. Uh, you know, whoever's sitting back in the booth, you, you know, there, there are a lot of people that are kind of new at it and they don't really know. But if it seems like you're with a pro, you know, anybody that's been doing it any length of time, um, you know, talk to us. Like, you know, directors 
are usually, you know, they're fine with their directing gig. You know, they they handled the show. Everything's cool. But bear in mind, even directors, you know, people with lots of experience and stuff, they may or may not have very much experience on an ADR stage. They'll usually have the sound supervisor, the ADR supervisors. Um, you know, the ADR supervisors, if you ever have any questions, like, you know, of course, go with what your director's telling you, definitely. But, uh, you know, also give an ear to the, uh, to the ADR supervisor and the mixer. If they're anybody that, you know, has been around for a while that knows what they're doing, um, you know, nobody's going to, you know, there's, there's no, uh, what's the word? There's nothing to be worried about for not knowing stuff or lack of experience and for not being a total pro at this. Uh, I know just speaking for myself, I don't care if it's, you know, a big, you know, high end Hollywood, big blockbuster movie or, you know, a student film. It's, you know, whatever's going on in here, um, I want it to be totally believable, and um, maybe more so than whoever's directing your picture. <laughs> I mean, you know, it might be their film and all that, and of course they want it to be the best it can be. But you know, I know also this is you know this is the stage that I run, and uh, but also the director's got a million things yeah, on his exactly, mind. Exactly, exactly. You're focused on this, exactly. So. And then mm-hmm. and you know, if you're not sure what to do or what's not sounding right. If you have headstrong people going on on the stage and, uh, you know, a lot of times they don't want anybody in, you know, back in the booth, you know, in the mixing or in the control room to be piping up. They want to run things out here. You know, sometimes that happens and, you know, all right, cool. It's their movie. But uh, feel free. Feel free to, to ask. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy to, to offer any suggestions or tips or whatever. Patrick, do you have any parting words of advice? I would say to the you know the ADR engineers and and mixers and and don't uh, leave the sessions without you being happy. You know, and and it goes obviously. There's a place where if the director's happy, the editor's happy and stuff. But if it's a small crew and they're real really relying on you as an engineer to make sure that uh, they're getting everything they need back to the mix stage to make it sound 100% believable. You know, don't leave any question marks there. Give them your best product. And I mean, um, that way you're covered and you'll feel good about what you do and it's going to translate and it's going to end up being perfect in, uh, in the long run. So just, uh, don't, uh, don't cut corners. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Excellent. So basically and have fun. The best way to learn this is through experience. So would you suggest guys just go set up a mic in whatever big room they can find and mess around and see what they can do? Like, is that the best way to practice, do you think? Eh, I'd say it's eh. kind of, you know, <laughs> I mean, you could practice, but what are you going to practice? What you imagine it might be like? Because, I mean, until you're yeah, I guess, you know, on a session, until yeah. you basically have seen it so many times that you know, just if not how it works, at least you know, you know, what... Pro, what step everything happens like okay first they roll the picture then you hear the beeps and then you know comes the line and then but if you don't have any access to that if you don't have you know that you know that spot on the stage how do you know what kind of beeps to do exactly. how many beeps do like, i do what I, should it sound like how do you like? know what that's, to practice yeah. that's that's the i mean mm-hmm. if you know what to practice then yeah. by all means go ahead and practice it but the the tricky part is is like how do you even know what you don't know well if they shoot their own film and then they want to practice adr with that how about that Tell all the upcoming engineers to go shoot their own film so they can shoot ADR for it. Um, Does that make sense? <laughs> and who knows? Maybe there's a book no. out there on how to do ADR. I don't know. It's, it's that's the thing. That's why I wanted to talk to you guys. Is there's going to use that book to make myself a little taller? And, yeah. uh, <laughs> you guys. Uh, that's why we wanted to talk to you guys because you guys are the kind of gatekeepers of knowledge that it's hard to get to. And uh, hey, hey, we're both here for that. You know, we're, we're, we love to talk and we love to uh, <laughs> teach as it seems. I'll talk for Chris, I guess, <laughs> but you know, we're not, we, we want that knowledge to be out there because I love my art. I, I he loves his art. And uh, if we can spread that, I, I think, you know, you really have to be in an internship, find a studio, Google ADR internship or ADR studios, find a studio. See if you can sit on some sessions during the summertime. If you're, if you're a young buck getting in on it, you know, uh, if you're an, assi- if you're an assistant, get into the stage, start sitting on those sessions, let me know that you're interested in this. I, you know, I, I need to know that you want to do this and I want to know that you have a good ear and that you can hone the craft. So get on those stages. <laughs> cool. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, guys. This has been really great. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, hopefully. All right, Timothy. Cool. Thank thanks you. for having us. Appreciate it. No problem. 
That was a fun interview. I had a really good time doing that one. Thanks to everyone who listens and participates in the show. Huge thanks to Chris Navarro of the Formosa Group and Patrick Christensen of Sound Lounge NYC for taking part in our discussion today. Thanks to Stacey DePass for letting us bend and twist her voice in the bumpers. Today's episode was edited by one of our listener volunteers, Jason Tuttle. He's a freelance sound editor and designer in the Indianapolis area, and he's always interested in working on short films or documentaries or pretty much anything. His website is hearspotbark.com. That's H-E-A-R spotbark.com. So go check him out. You can follow the show on Twitter via at the Tonebenders. Go to tonebenderspodcast.com to find each show's links and notes or leave a comment. Also check out facebook.com slash tonebenderspodcast to be kept up to date on what's going on with the show. Thanks again. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Tonebenders. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. If you listen on iTunes or Stitcher, please write us a review while you're there. To support the show, go to tonebenderspodcast.com and click through our Amazon link or leave us a tip. You can also download and listen to our entire show archive there and leave a comment on our site or on SoundCloud. Keep up to date by following at the Tonebenders on Twitter or find Tonebenders Podcast on Facebook and YouTube. Email us with your questions and ideas at info at tonebenderspodcast.com. Tonebenders.